This is Mental Maps, a podcast about navigating the mind. My name is Dr. Josh Waddell. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, mental health counselor, and host of this show. The content of this show is focused on creating a better understanding about the mind and how you can achieve optimal well-being. Welcome back to Mental Maps. As always, I hope this finds you well in whatever season that you're in. As we continue to move through this five causal model, we've moved to our second cause today. So if you haven't, I would recommend go back, listen to the overview initially as we kind of talk about all these different causes of mental illness that we see within this model that I'm presenting. Um, With the most recent podcast, we talked about the biological causes of mental illness, so all these different illnesses and physiological changes that can occur that leads to your brain being unwell and so by using certain treatments for those physiological causes the brain also becomes well today we're moving into our second cause which is genetics and a quick disclaimer as we move into this so one i'm not a geneticist Uh, there is an entire field and understanding of genetics that is way beyond my understanding and most people in the healthcare's understanding that it's its own science, it's its own thing. But we're beginning to use this more and more in healthcare from the Human Genome Project and what we've learned from that, which has been incredible. And so what we're going to talk about today is a, is a huge overview of how genetics play in mental illness. So if there's like any geneticists listening to this, you may like listen and say, oh my gosh, there's so much more to this. And you are correct. There is a vast amount of knowledge about genetics and the brain and the human body and all of these different concepts. But I think it's one, way too much to put in one podcast. And then two, would overshadow what we're trying to talk about today, which is how these genetic changes or these genetic issues are causing certain mental illnesses for people. And what we're going to discuss today is not only what genes this could be, how they're turned on and off, what that even means, and how this is even applicable to people today. So as we start out, I guess the first question would be, what are genes? Now, if we all go back to our old biology classes, if you remember that from like eighth grade or middle school, what we remember is that genes are passed from our mom and dad. We get one set from our mom and one set from our dad, and together that helps make our DNA. And so these genes, as it's passed through inheritance, are kind of like a blueprint for coding certain segments or specific proteins, which will then help help your body show a specific function. So you have a certain gene, for your eye color, you have a certain gene for your hair color, you have a certain gene for different functions in the body, you have a certain gene for our brains, and we have certain genes for our hearts and our liver and our lungs and all these different things. We have these genes that help these functions in the body work. However, we know in some people, these genes are different, meaning that maybe they're not even there, or maybe there is something on that gene, like a like some kind of deletion or what we call antimere on the gene, which may make it turn on and off, and therefore it could lead to differences in a given function than the average human. And what we've seen through the Human Genome Project and other research has been done through years is we've been able to target a lot of mental or a lot of physical illnesses with this. We've seen things like Down syndrome, we've seen things like um, Alzheimer's through the APOE gene, a lot of these different genetic abnormalities that are showing if you've got this, there's a really good chance you're going to have this and or you may pass this on to your um, offspring. And so why this is important in the world of mental health is it's believed that certain illnesses in the world of mental health are genetic. And as they as these genes are passed down, maybe 
certain genes are malfunctioning in that or they may have alleles in that which means they're different than the average human and so as genetic research has expanded and mental health awareness has occurred and more mental health research has started what we begin to see is that what we once thought would be this little one shot now we've got this one gene that would tell us what's wrong was a way underestimation of the genetic coding for the brain and there is a vast amount of genes that are implicated in mental health disorders we know ying and colleagues in 2019 done a study where they found that there's at least 52 genes that share across mental health disorders not only that is in within one disorder but numerous disorders and so just because one of these genes may turn on and off doesn't mean that you're going to have a disorder but it does make you very susceptible to have this disorder and then what they found was that there are genes that do seem to be more related into certain mental illnesses and so what we found is there's really five illnesses that we see in the world of mental health that are genetic based many times are genetic based not always but many times are and we know that that is schizophrenia that is bipolar disorder that is major depressive disorder autism and adhd now my, this includes myself but many people would challenge that schizophrenia and autism very well may not only be is not a mental health issue rather it's just a neurological brain issue and that is true however we do see where the symptoms especially in schizophrenia have these psychiatric psychological concepts to it and so that kind of goes outside of what this podcast is about we may talk about that later on but just know we have these five illnesses where we're really seeing a lot of genes being implicated and what what we found through this is that a study that was conducted by Gishwin and Gendal at UCLA found that a lot of these genes for these five are all shared, but really certain genes are implicated in certain disorders. So for example, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder share many genetic changes. So what they found within postmortem brains, meaning people who had died and they started looking at their brains microscopically and looking at their genetic coding microscopically found that people who had schizophrenia and people who had bipolar disorder had similar genetic changes for some of the genes that we've already shown to be implicated in this. Other research has shown us that in schizophrenia alone, there could be at least 100 genes. But the most important thing to remember is just because you have one of these genes does not mean you're going to have this mental health disorder. For so many years, there was always this belief that you know genes were kind of like the gun and then environment kind of cocked it if you are pulled the trigger rather and so what we're beginning to see now is that's not always true you're not loaded to have the mental illness rather you're just susceptible to have the mental illness it's not as if it's waiting to be turned on is it possibly it just gets turned on by certain things we're going to talk about why that's important a couple things just to kind of think about and how this you know is relatable into mental health disorders so a perfect example is schizophrenia so schizophrenia being a um, psychiatric illness of the brain where you hear things and you see things and you have these symptoms where you may not have any desire to connect with people or you may be, struggle to get you know just your basic daily functioning done but you're not depressed but you just you have this very flat affect it's just a very very um, debilitating illness that comes with a lot a lot of challenges with not only in our Western culture but in the world around and what we found is that there's a specific gene called the COMPT gene the C-O-M-T is how it is abbreviated COMPT and that gene helps manage levels of dopamine 
And so dopamine is where we believe that schizophrenia occurs and why the, you hear things and see things. And so what we found is that having an absence of the comp gene, meaning that that comp gene, the, the gene that helps manage levels of dopamine, when it's deleted, you increase your risk of schizophrenia by 30%. So just not having that gene on your genetic coding increases your risk. However, it does not mean you form the illness. So it's not a 100% factor. And I think that that's a good example of we have this gene that we know codes for the management of dopamine levels, which higher dopamine levels lead to you in certain pathways lead to you being psychotic. Yet, just because that gene isn't there doesn't mean you'll have the illness, but it does mean you increase the risk of that illness. Another great example is like autism. Autism, we know, has over 100 genes implicated in its in in the in what we believe causes this however most of these genes are related to brain development so you may not even see this in in what it looks like as a symptom rather it's like a functioning so things may not be turning on and off however just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to have autism or doesn't mean you're going to have those symptoms and so as these genes overlap and as these genes are in your genetic coding what we begin to reference is the turning on and off so just because you're born with this gene doesn't mean it's going to be turned on. And probably the greatest discussion of this is the nature versus nurture um, argument. And I'm not going to get into that argument today. I think that could be its own podcast probably. But what we see is there's a group of people believes that things are just solely genetic, that you're already going to have it, it's going to happen. And then the nurture that says it doesn't really matter what you got if your social structure is messed up or your nurturing is messed up then it's going to have an impact. There's a really phenomenal book called Hidden Valley Road uh, that discusses the, a family um, who many of the siblings or many of the children form schizophrenia. And in this discussion, what they found was that even though they there was this gen, clearly a genetic family history to this illness, not every kid had this illness. And so it's kind of interesting why that occurred and why that didn't occur. And so one of the things that we believe that happens is that the environment does decide if certain genes turn on and off. One of the best researches we found is certain genes implicated in schizophrenia being turned on by drug use in teenage brains. We have found that there is a profoundly high chance of children who have these genetic predispositions, meaning that the gene, the gene is already there, turning on if they use marijuana chronically as a teenager. There's research that has shown that time in and time out, and I think we can see that from clinical evidence as well, that teenagers who use THC or profoundly this high THC derivatives will turn these genes on. And the reason for that is even though marijuana can be very helpful for some people, what it can do is be coded as a trauma in the brain. And as it's coded as trauma in the brain, the brain will then turn on these genes because trauma is a great trigger, if you will, for the genes. Another one is nutrition. There's a belief that you know certain you know consuming certain toxins or being you know disposed to certain toxins can turn these genes on if you already have them in it. But a lot of this we just don't understand very well. But what we do know is there is a family history. There are things that occur in the outside world that can turn it on. And so then that leads to you having this mental illness. And so why this is important in the world of causal mental illness and what we're talking about in our model is that this, in my opinion, 
I believe this is where the concept of medicine is very important because this isn't just my life stinks and I feel very depressed. This isn't just I had a really tough childhood and so I feel very anxious. This is there there is genetic changes that are occurring in the brain. And what we see is that if you've got these genetic changes, many times medication can be very helpful. And so as we talked about in that overview where there's only about one third of people with depression who find remission with their illness, I believe personally a large a large amount of that one third fall into this genetic. Because what you see is that people who respond to certain medicines, their family also respond to certain medicines. So I guess it's probably 10, 15 years ago, um, genetic testing is what they call it, it got really, really popular. And the genetic testing wasn't that we could pull your genes and decide if you had a mental illness or not. What it helped us decide is how medicine was broken down in your body and your likelihood to possibly respond to these medicines. Now, what we found over time is that these medicines, there were some people who it came back and that medicine was really bad for them and they still felt great on it. There's other people who the, the medicine was supposed to be perfect for them and they had all kinds of side effects to them. And what we begin to see is that the side effect profile was really the most important thing we could learn from it is why you're having these side effects. And we're not going to talk about full genetic testing and all those things, but just imagine a test that will look at your genes and decide how you break down medicine in your liver. And that's what you're talking about in this. And what we see is that if mom has depression and she responded well to, you know, an antidepressant, a specific antidepressant, there's a likelihood that daughter or son is also going to respond to this antidepressant. You see this in families a lot of times where maybe like grandma has the illness, mom has the illness, the daughter has the illness, and they're all taking the same medicine with relief. And I think there's something to be said for that, that these genetic mutations, these genetic predispositions that were turned on for whatever reason over time got better with a medication that was consistent in the family. You don't see it every single time, but it does seem to be very popular or not very popular, but very, very profound when it occurs and something that's pretty consistent. So we have genes. These genes make up who you are. We know there are many, many, many hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of genes implicated in mental health disorders. Of them, there are a certain set that seems to be pretty consistent across disorders. Just because you have these genes doesn't mean it's going to turn on, meaning that the issue, the, the functioning issue is going to turn on. However, it does increase your risk of having this issue. And that just to pull a blood level to show if you have that gene is impossible at this moment in our time to tell us if you're going to have this illness or not. And most importantly, the things around you are going to decide if it's going to turn on. So how does this like outside of treatment, so outside of the medication standpoint, how is this important for the, the average human? I think the biggest thing is that knowing that let's say I have a family history of bipolar disorder. You've got to be extra careful about what you're doing and what you're putting in your body. So yes, maybe your friends are experimenting with certain substances, but if you use that substance, you run a higher risk of maybe having this, you know, gene turn on or this issue occur, which then leads to you needing medicine or needing, you know, extensive treatment to have some calm down. We also know that if these genes are there and they can be turned on by certain things, could they be turned off? And so I think that's something that we just don't know at this moment. 
but it does seem like even if these genes make it very difficult for these things to occur, you can turn off the abnormality. Not that you can truly turn off the gene itself, but you can turn off the malfunction. And so you can kind of come back to a baseline level for many people. Um, it also means that for certain people, maybe as time goes on, the issue will improve. You primarily see this with ADHD. So for many people with ADHD, just because that malfunction occurs doesn't mean it will stay as other parts of the brain turn on. We're seeing this a lot with um, the genetic changes that are paramount in ADHD kids in their frontal lobe. And as the frontal lobe turns on, just because that genetic malfunction is there doesn't mean those brain issues won't get better. So understanding that there are these genetic causes to the illness, we don't have the ability to see them. But if you have a family history of these illnesses, you've got to be extra careful with what you put in your body. Making sure you're not consuming the toxins, making sure you're not using these substances, being careful about how you live your life and getting good rest and getting good sleep. Things that we all should be doing as humans, which can be very difficult many times in our Western culture, but is especially important. We also know that certain vitamins can be very helpful for this. Certain vitamins such as like omega-3, which is uh, you get from fish, fish oil, primarily salmon and other fish, and you can also get it in certain vegetables as well. But what you see is that taking that can be somewhat preventative for people. We know that other, you know, just a good broad, what we call broad spectrum micronutrient, just having good functioning vitamins in your body can sometimes keep these genes from turning on, maybe in despite of being in a very stressful environment. Um, therapy can be very helpful. So maybe if you have a genetic predisposition, maybe your family has these issues and you start to have some stress, getting into therapy and being very preventative of this rather than just kind of waiting it out and seeing if you get better. The most important thing is knowing that if there's a family history of these mental illnesses, you've got to be proactive in ensuring that you don't, doing the best you can not to form these illnesses. Will it work 100%? We don't know. I don't think we really know. We do know that there are some people that these genes just turn on and they end up on medicine. You see this some in schizophrenia. You see this some in bipolar disorder. Um, we know with autism, it's more of something that you're, you're kind of born with and you're managing those symptoms. We know with ADHD, that's something that you know, you're managing those symptoms and sometimes you can grow out of. But And we, don't, we see it sometime in depression. You know, those five disorders that we talked about earlier where the person just has this experience and it doesn't make a lot of sense why it occurred. And I think when you look at it and then you start doing a family tree and then you start looking at maybe the things that were going on in their life, it makes a lot more sense of why it happened. And then getting in with a provider, using things like medicine to get on top of the symptoms and then beginning to create that healthy lifestyle is how you'll find that treatment. So genetics as a cause, I believe is true and it's real. We know the research shows us that it's real. Um, it's different than the physiological because, you know, as we talked about in the, in the biological episode, that that's really just these physical illnesses causing brain changes. And when the physical, physical illness is corrected, the illness goes away. In this case, it doesn't really matter what occurs because the gene's on. And so now we're treating symptoms and trying to move backwards and to just destabilize. 
And for some people, medicines do what we need to do. For some people, it's medicine and therapy. For some people, it's medicine, therapy, and lifestyle, which is where most people need to be in the first place. So I hope this wasn't too confusing. I know this can sound kind of overwhelming. I think the biggest thing and the most important thing you can take away from this outside of just the basic understanding of, of what was presented today is just knowing that what we believe about mental illness that is just this diagnosis isn't true. Because even though we know what the symptom is, the cause is very different for a lot of people. And if you can understand this cause, we can create better services. And in these cases, better prevention. And if we can prevent these things, if we can prevent these illnesses, man, I think a lot of people will feel a lot better, not only for their family, but just their brains as a whole.